What's up, Mets fans? I'm Matt Cerrone, and this is the return of the Mets Blog Q&A cast with SNY.TV and MetsBlog.com. I am really happy to be here today. It is opening day 2018. You know, for whatever reason, I am particularly pumped up about this season. There's just something about, I don't know if it's Mickey Calloway or if it's, you know, this sort of vibe of redemption or the fact that for the most part, everybody's healthy. But whatever the, the deal is, I just feel really confident and comfortable with where this team is at entering the season. I don't know how many games they're going to win. I can't say they're going to win 100 games. I can't say they're going to win 90. But I do think if DeGrom and Syndergaard and Cespedes uh, remain healthy for the bulk of the season and do their job, and you know if the three or four guys in the bullpen are healthy and can and do their jobs, I, I don't see any reason why these guys can't come close to 90 wins and at the very least challenge the Nationals, if not take the National League East. I mean, I really do think that. I, I believe that they have the prospects and the capital to make an acquisition during the summer. I know probably a lot of Mets fans are going to question that, but I I do believe that to be true. And, you know, Sandy has shown in years past that if the resources are there, which I think they are, and the need is there, which it probably will be, and uh, the team is winning, which I hope it is, he'll pull the trigger. And so, you know, when you do that math and you add all that stuff up and you you look at Mickey Calloway and sort of the way the team has responded to him and the things he's saying and what they're saying about him uh, and just, you know, you add it all up to me, it, it just feels like a, a, a good season is in the making. Where it goes, who knows? There's a lot of very interesting storylines uh, that will play themselves out. But I like where we're at, and it's opening day, and you're supposed to be upbeat and positive. And so, you know, if you can't be, if you can't feel that way on opening day, I don't know what you're doing uh, listening to this show or being a baseball fan for that matter. So, with that, I'm going to bring in today's guest, CJ Nikowski. He does a terrific job with uh, everybody, frankly, at MLB Network Radio for SiriusXM. They, they're, I love the channel. I listen to it constantly. Uh, you know, I really enjoy what they do. Obviously, Phillips and Duquette, and Cliff Floyd, and a lot of ex-Mets that are a part of it. CJ himself, uh, you know, as well. It just They do a really wonderful job, like I said, and it's just fun to listen to. And so I'm, I'm glad to have him on and finally catch up with him. I've been meaning to for a couple of years. So uh, we'll talk with him a little bit about... Mets fans and opening day optimism and, you know, what it's like to experience opening day as a player for the first time. We'll talk a little bit about, uh, you know, the pitching staff and and redemption, what they need to get out of that. And obviously a little bit of Mickey Calloway and what to expect since the two of them played together uh, many years ago. So uh, with that, let me bring in my uh, interview with uh, CJ Nikowski. And thanks for listening. And with that, let me bring in and with that, let me stop rambling, and I will uh, let's just roll the interview with CJ Nikowski. Hit play. So I guess the the place to start with you and I, because I, I listen to MLB Network Radio all all day, pretty much, and I love what I hear you talk about. What seems like a real kind of special place in your heart that Mets fans have, and I'm curious where that comes from. I know you spent a few games with with the Mets, and, and then towards the end of your, your career in the minor leagues. But you know, I mean, what what is it about Mets fans that you sort of feel for? Yeah, it's definitely empathy. I think is where it kind of kicks off. And you know, even though I grew up a Yankee fan, I tell people all the time, the first time you roll into Yankee Stadium as an opposing player. 
and get your butt kicked, that goes away almost instantly. Hmm. And so it, it kind of does. And once you start playing, you're not really – I mean, once I started playing professionally, I really not consider myself a fan of any team. Of you know, now that I work for the Rangers, I definitely uh, find myself pretty emotionally involved in, in how they do and, and rooting for those guys really hard. So that, that part changed. But, you know, I think gr- going to college in Queens for a couple of years at St. John's, uh, and then getting the opportunity to put that Met uniform on, you know, very briefly, but to put it on and get a feel for the fan base even a little bit more. Um, I think it's just, you know, something about the folks from Queens uh, that I empathize, empathize with and and feel for. And I think, you know, just some of the struggles over the years, uh, the frustration during the, the really solid Yankee years. And I know the Mets made some runs here and there, uh, but obviously not the rings that the Yankees were picking up uh, in the 90s and then into the 2000s a little bit. And so I think it's, you know, it's a little bit of that underdog feel as well. But then also, you know, just having an idea, um, you know, who makes up that fan base uh, with my time spent in Queens. It really just kind of finds myself pulling for uh, Mets fans a little bit. Uh, It's funny, not pulling for the team, but pulling for the fans. right? They're they're the ones that are going to kind of be rewarded when it's all said and done. I understand. It's it's interesting. I mean, I, I grew up a Mets fan. I still am a Mets fan. But obviously, I write about the team. I've been covering them and doing what I do for almost 15 years. And so I, I, I get it. Like, you meet players and you get, you know, become friends with these guys. And, like, they go to other teams. And you, you start to it, – it does break down that wall a little bit of, of team fandom. And you start rooting for friends and players, uh, which mm-hmm. is always kind of interesting. Um, but I think you bring up an interesting point about sort of the underdog nature of it. And when you were playing, that was sort of the Yankees were in that, that mold – um, of sort of dominating the game the way they were, outspending everybody doing their thing. Um, and so I wonder, you know, if, if, if you sort of respect or, or sort of understand the Mets fan position in a, in a kind of a weird way in that you were competing against the Yankees and we sort of feel like yeah. we're competing a bit against the Yankees too in a way, you know? Yeah, that's definitely part of it. I mean, without a doubt, I can understand how difficult it is. Oh. And it's really so <laughs> ironic too because, you know, growing up a Yankee fan and as you well know, growing up in that city – it is ingrained in you if you're a, a New York baseball fan that it is one love hate the other. Like I, I still remember one of my closest friends who was a Met fan as a kid, um, '86 Mets, the whole deal. And then you know later in his life he's a Yankee fan. I'm like, man, you are such a fraud. Like that is just not <laughs> something that you can do. That is not allowed. Yep. And it is just you know something. My father uh, grew up in Wisconsin, and then when we ultimately settled uh, in New York. He talked about that. It was a really cool moment for me when. Um, when I was playing with the Tigers and we came through town and John Keating from Fox Sports Detroit mm-hmm. interviewed my dad in the Yankee dugout. That was kind of a cool thing for me. And he even said in that interview, you know, he learned when he came uh, to New York that he was told it is one love, hate, you know, love one, hate the other. Right. And so, you know, so that part of it, that's obviously changed for me now. But when you're a diehard, um, you know, you kind of get it. So it is ironic for me, um, you know, because the other thing, the other part of it, too, I think it's just that they're so passionate. You know, the passion is real. They care now, along with passion when you're in a market like New York, also comes the heavy criticism when you don't get it done. And so and I always love that about the city anyway, period, regardless of whatever team it was uh, in a big market. There's a big draw, I think, for people who can really appreciate the passion, but understand the criticism is coming heavy uh, if you don't get it done. And uh, I'm, I'm OK with it. I get it. I appreciate fans that even though, you know, even Keel is kind of nice, I kind of get it, too. And I like it. I appreciate it. So there's something about that part of it as well, the passion that comes along. Uh, with Mets fans that uh, well, I'm drawn to as well. It's something that you guys do really good on MLB Network, actually, that I, as a listener and as a baseball fan, that I always appreciate, and you do it very well. Um, and a lot of the other player hosts that have come along, I'm really interested to see what Matt Holiday brings to the table, which is that you guys, you can tell you really genuinely love the game. It's not just, 
the broadcast or the business or anything. Like you, you truly appreciate and you love the game of baseball, and and that comes through in the broadcast. So I just, you know, as a as someone who's listening, I just want you guys to know that like that is recognized on the other side of. Well, of I the appreciate speakers. that. Yeah, and I think it's important. It's appreciated because there are guys. You know, I, I love what I do for a living now. I mean, I, obviously, I love playing. I wish I was a better player. I wish I could just, you know, sit back on my laurels as a player and sit on a pile of cash like a lot of guys were able to do and, and enjoy retirement. Uh, that wasn't my destiny. I feel blessed to have played as long as I did and to put on both New York uniforms is really cool for me to be able to have done that. Um, but now that this is what I do for a living, I think that there are certain guys that um, get into the business because they kind of like to or they're interested or they're looking for something to do. And then there's guys that really love it and are passionate about it. And I, and I do feel like I fall into that latter category. And I always love talking about the business in general. And I love talking um, to those who have been there and done that regardless of even if they cover the, another sport. We had Al Michaels on. I know he's done baseball, but obviously it's not what he does mostly. And we had Al Michaels on maybe last year or two years ago. Yeah, I and I couldn't this, wait yeah. just to talk to him about broadcasting. And I yep, couldn't yep. wait to – talk to him about, you know, what makes the best player analyst in your career. And I asked Dan Schulman that same exact question on air, and they had a very consistent answer between the two of them. They said, you know, the best analysts, the former players that turn analysts, are the ones that forget about their playing career, put it behind them, and then dig in uh, into the broadcasting business. And that's what I try to do. And obviously, when you get some of the greats like John Smoltz or Troy Aikman, you know, they're probably the top of their field in each sport. Uh, They were pretty tremendous players, you know, some of the best that we've ever seen. But even those guys. You know, they not that they don't forget about the crew. They know how to mix it in without making it all about them, uh, and really have a passion for the business and, and understand that it is about the fans. And you know, I was just talking to a guy last night here in Dallas who's interested in the business, does a little bit of high school work, and I kept kind of you know getting back to the fact that yeah, it's nice that you had to play, uh, but you got to think about the fans. And the best thing you can do, the best compliment I ever get from anybody on Twitter or anywhere else is I never thought about that before I learned Mm. something there you know and that's Mm. all I'm going for I'm trying to hopefully and it's tough to do over you know course of a full season but you hope that you can give somebody just a little something to chew on maybe make them sound a little smarter when they're talking with their friends uh, about the game that for me that's the biggest reward in this and I don't think you do that unless you have a passion for it again we're talking with CJ Nikowski Uh, you can catch him on the MLB Network Radio on Sirius XM the leadoff spot Loud out on Saturday. Uh, you know, like I said, you guys do a great job. Now, this is going to go out on opening day, and it's the it's to me it's always it's it's the best day to cover because optimism and everything is through the roof, not just for fans but for players as well. And I'm wondering, from your perspective, uh, you know, given where you, you've you've sort of sat here as media, as a player, as a fan, like we talked about earlier, you know, just from your your perspective, opening day. I mean, is it you know, do you do you still even as a broadcaster for that matter? Do you still feel that you know hopeful butterflies kind of in your stomach and that energy? And as a player, does that ever go away when you're on field? Yeah, it's it's pretty exciting. It's a little bit of a different feeling, and just in general in broadcasting, because I still do get excited for games, but I don't have that feeling. You know, when I was warming up in the bullpen, sure. that little knot in your stomach, that good kind of adrenaline yeah. uh, that could either push you forward or lock you up. But, that, you know, that good kind. Um, I don't quite get that in, in the booth, if I'm being honest, but I still get excited. I still love flyovers. I, I'm still a sucker for monstrous uh, U.S. flags that we bring out uh, on fields and everybody uh, getting excited about the year. And I, and I just I have a tendency to lean optimism anyway. Um, you know, regardless of whatever team we're talking about, but certainly in the case of the Rangers, um, some people may be disappointed they didn't have a big offseason. I'll dig in for other reasons why I want you to be excited about the team and what to look for and why to be objective about the year because anybody could be negative. I mean, we get enough of that in our own lives. Let's, I try to do my best to make sports positive. 
uh, why you still keep your reputation intact. So I get excited about the year. I was actually at the stadium today when, you know, it's a little bit of a different feel. But, you know, we're doing some new things in our booth. We're going to try some new things. We have a different graphics package, um, different kind of numbers that we're going to bring to the table, all that kind of stuff. So it's a different feel of as opposed to having a new pitch or something else you think you're going to bring to your game, uh, some of the similar feelings absolutely still exist about what you're going to be doing um, as a broadcaster. But the, my favorite part of this uh, in that regard is that, yes, you get excited, but the, probably the biggest difference is there's actually less pressure. Like Once you get comfortable in front of the camera, hmm. I feel pretty good about the fact that I'm not going to get sent down, I'm not going to get released, <laughs> nice. and that's a, that's, lot to, that's a nice bit of pressure where I still get to enjoy Major League Baseball, um, but I, I don't have that necessarily – uh, weighing over my head either so I, I feel like i have the second best job in the game the mets have a couple guys that are making their their debut uh you know this is going to be their first opening day in the big leagues which is uh, you know i just i can't imagine what that has to feel like i mean can you walk me through a little bit of what that feeling is when you step on the field now maybe you got to call up the previous year but opening day is different yeah. right you line it up is. on the sidelines it's a different thing so i mean can you walk me through a little bit of what that is like where it's just wow this is the this i'm here First game, moment one, you know, what's that like? Yeah, because it's a bigger deal, right? Because if I, mean, I had over a year service time before I ever got an opening day in me. I had partial bar, time in 95 and 96, and both of my call-ups came in, you know, the middle of the season. So it wasn't until 98 where I had my first opening day um, and had it when I was a member of the Astros, and it was awesome. And not only do you get that one, because you get your opening day, but then you get other teams' home openers as well, which is kind of cool, right? Well, so you know you're guaranteed yeah. to get your home opener. Uh, which is great. But if your team is starting on the road or even if you're starting at home, you, there's a good chance you might get somebody else's home opener. So more often than not, you're getting two. Um, obviously, they're not both opening days, but home openers. I, one of my favorite ones is going to San Francisco uh, years ago. Um, and, you know, flyovers are, are still cool. I still like them. Yeah. I still get excited about them just to see uh, some pretty incredible uh, machines flying so close to a stadium uh, that certainly is a lot of fun but so it is a little bit different even if you had already been on a big league field and even if you spent any significant time uh, on a big league field because of all the excitement uh, because you're pretty much guaranteed to sell out uh, there's a lot more going on pre-game they do full introductions uh, which is really cool so it is a different feeling uh, for those guys and you don't forget it it is just uh, you know it's just a really Fun time. You feel really special, and you are special because you're a big leaguer and doing something uh, pretty special that only, uh, I guess, what, we've got 750 guys that are doing it that are <laughs> yeah. active at the time um, and millions that dream it. And it's something to be proud of, and it's something to enjoy, and, and the right thing to do you know, is to absorb it. Now, for the guys with 15 years in, uh, I, I got to believe that they still probably get a little bit excited, not nearly yeah. the same as they did for the first you know, 10 or so. Um, but it's still, you know, like you mentioned, the optimism uh, does get you pretty excited for the year. And it's just a lot of uh, fun stuff going on. I, I'd said the words moment one before, and I actually picked up that term from uh, Pedro Martinez. who used to talk about it uh, when he was with the Mets. And I remember hearing him saying, like, you know, that first moment of every game, whether it's the season or the first pitch of an at-bat, the first pitch of the game, whatever it is, that first of anything was always something he paid particular attention to because, you know, the, the frame of mind and sort of where you are physically and mentally in that moment will often dictate kind of where you go. Um, and so I think it's something that you feel even as a high school player. Like you feel mm -hmm, that first sure. moment is like, this is awesome. This is anything can happen, you know, and like that's always the beauty of the game. Talk to me a little bit about the Mets pitching staff because I, I hear you guys talk a lot, especially you and Steve particularly, um, when you kind of get riffing on, on the Mets in particular – 
you know, who, when you look at the roster, I mean, obviously DeGrom and Syndergaard, you know, I think we put them in one particular bucket. But when you look at the rest of the staff, whether it's Harvey or Vargas or whoever, who's the one guy that you sort of look to that, that you think can sort of step up and make, you know, the other 20 to 30 starts and, and be that really solid number three pitcher? Who's the guy that you sort of look to that you're really sort of, you know, you see in that mold? Yeah, that's a great question. And the issues become, I think, uh, health because Steven Matz at times, yep. right, we've seen it. You get excited about Steven Matz, and obviously uh, he has had an arm that has had a really difficult time uh, staying healthy um, and didn't have, what, the greatest spring training as well. So you have that combined uh, to go along uh, with the concerns about health. But when he was good and he was healthy and he was on, he was really good and really impactful. I remember you know, when he first came up, and it was almost like, my goodness, how many of these guys are they going to turn out? <laughs> you know, It was just like one after another after another and talking about the Mets being the envy um, of the league and how different the conversation has changed kind of since then because of the injuries and specifically uh, to Matt Harvey. I mean, you know, the conversation we thought we were going to be having this year four years ago was, are the Yankees going to swoop in and take Matt Harvey? Right. Remember, that was the big deal. Like, you know, he wanted to be like Jeter when it came to the New York stuff. And here was a guy who was built for the the limelight in the big city. And, and that they seemed like Mets fans were already worried about him leaving uh, for the Yankees four years ago. And now he's just trying to reestablish himself and reestablish his value. And so you just never know. But he is a guy um, that I really like to see do well and bounce back because it's been a pretty rough road. Uh, for him, and then you know, a former teammate of mine, in Zach Wheeler, that I got to play with toward the end of my career when I was trying to hang on as a as a 39 year old, and the Mets were gracious enough to give me a shot as a side armor uh, in the minor leagues. And you know, I, I felt bad for him a little bit because you know the conversation first about going to the bullpen, he seemed like he wasn't uh, completely in, didn't want to do it. Now the fact that he um, you know actually got sent out instead, uh, I'm really hoping pulling for him that he can be impact this year. Uh, but the guy that probably has the greatest chance, I think, of that group is a healthy Steven Matz for me. I think that's the one yeah. uh, that you look to the most, and especially because there's still so much of his career left, right? It's only two-plus years of service time. So four years of control, uh, you'd love to see him take a big step uh, getting back to where he once was. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I talked to uh, Tommy, uh, to Glavin, uh, not too long ago, and he was saying, you know, his his thing, his the worry that he has for Matz is just that how much time he's missed on the map, mm-hmm. that for a lefty in particular – you know, at this point in his career, he should have made, you know, double the amount of, you know, has spent double the amount of time minor leagues major. It doesn't make a difference, just pitching. And he mm-hmm. hasn't. And that that for him is the bigger concern is that, you know, he's got to sort of make those adjustments and learn. And, and he, he worries that he's a little behind the ball and that he may have missed a little bit of, of a window. But, you know, who knows? And, but I'm, I'm with you. I agree. Like, he's the guy that because he could, he could contend for a Cy Young. Like he's, he could mm-hmm. be that good when he's on the mound for 30, if he can make 32 starts. Um, it's just a matter of health, you know, and then really that's what it comes down to with all these guys, um, you know, ultimately. So, you know, I, I'm glad to hear you to mention him. Lastly, before I let you go, just do you have any, you know, sort of thoughts on Mickey Calloway in New York City? You talked a little bit about New York, and obviously you, you, you had some experience there. He's an interesting character, very Midwest. Um, mm-hmm. It has a very matter-of-fact, easygoing way. You know, just what you've seen of him so far, you know, what you've heard from him and how you think he'll translate in New York. I mean, what do you think the storyline for him this season will be? Oh, I love the hire. You know, I played with Mickey years ago um, in the in the Rangers system, so I've been thrilled to see him have the success that he's had as a pitching coach uh, and now to get that opportunity as a manager, which is always the extra challenge. Um, and, you know, go ahead and make that challenge, you know, times 100 because he's going to do it uh, in a big market with high demands uh, on his team. You know, it's, it's interesting to watch him and both Aaron Boone, mm. uh, who are kind of mm. complete opposites of the guys that they're following. 
right, to some degree. I mean, TC wasn't exactly like Joe Girardi, but there was some similarities there, I think, and in, in some of the handling of the media. Uh, and, you know, TC, I think, was a little bit more open than Girardi was, but still kind of, you know, came in kind of aggressive um, at times. And uh, these guys, I think, will be the opposite of that. And I think these guys will be a little bit more conscious of really protecting players. I, I do think that. I think younger managers who are seeing what is happening with the trend um, of personalities matter now more than ever and your relationship in the clubhouse matters now uh, more than ever at least as far as what we hear gm saying obviously wins and losses are really important um (laughs) but i think you know yeah no but that's (laughs) the part that is pretty interesting so with mickey uh, i do think you have the right personality i would be shocked i would be floored and if any you know market could do it it's new york but i'd be floored if i ever saw him kind of lose his cool uh, in front of you guys you know where where he let something you know get to him a 10 game losing streak and then someone's questioning you know moves that he is making that that part would surprise me i do think you're going to see a pretty even kill guy who won't bring too much emotion to the media doesn't mean he won't bring it to the clubhouse when it's needed uh, he knows players as good as anybody uh, but the idea uh, of a really bright well-respected guy mild-mannered, as kind of you said, in, in Midwestern and, and simple. Um, is obviously opposite of what we get in New York. And so there could be times, and I think Aaron Boone's the same way, where fans might be like, where's the passion? Why isn't he screaming and yelling? Um, and it's almost one of those things where, as a player, when you, have, when you have that kind of personality and you're pitching well, they're like, wow, that guy is really composed. It's yeah, incredible. Yeah, yep. And then you have that same personality and you're, and you're playing terribly. And they're like, does that guy even care? But in meanwhile, <laughs> it's the same guy the whole time. Yeah. And I think you, I think you're going to get that with Mickey Cowell. I think you're going to get that uh, with Aaron Boone. When things aren't going well, uh, that maybe there will be some question uh, to the passion. But the reality is that they're really good at being the same people and having the same personality. I think from that standpoint, the clubhouse will certainly appreciate it, even if at times the fans might want to see a little bit more screaming and yelling. And I'm sure we'll be fielding those calls, and FAM will be fielding those calls. <laughs> um, and they're always fun. Um, but I do think they made a really good decision, and I think they're going to have, uh, from a clubhouse standpoint, uh, a lot of harmony, a lot of respect for him, and he's a bright guy, and he's going to do well. Again, that was CJ Nikowski from MLB Network Radio on SiriusXM. Again, you can catch him on the leadoff spot a couple times during the week and, of course, on Loud Outs on Saturdays. Thanks again for listening. The guys at SOI.TV, I know they're producing or reconfiguring what had been the Meet the Mets cast. They'll be rolling that out uh, hopefully soon. I'll be doing this show weekly. I'm not entirely sure if it's just going to be straight interviews. I'm going to try and do some fan voicemail stuff again. Um, you know, I, I want to I kind of want to focus a little bit on the storylines of the season and talk with people that sort of uh, cover it that way. So maybe a little bit more columnists, maybe get some other fans on to kind of talk uh, about what they're seeing and sort of how things are playing out. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. So, uh, but always going to be me and, a, and another guest, somebody in here to kind of go back and forth on topics of the week and just kind of get a sense of where things are at. So thanks again for listening. I will be back again next week with another Q&A cast. And <laughs> this is getting posted on opening days. Hopefully the Mets are winning by the time or have won by the time you listen to this uh, and we start the season 1-0, which would be awesome because, like I said at the top of the show, I really think uh, good things are in store for this season. So uh, with that, uh, thanks for listening, and as always, let's go Mets!